Hey guys, just a quick note before we begin that the show may contain spoilers and adult language, but that's just because we know how to have a good time. Stick around, you'll be glad you did. You are here for me to enlighten you. You ever act like this again, you're barred for life. It's just violent base. It's kind of embarrassing. If you know you're lying, then you can forget them. Oh, I get it. It's very clever. <laughs> Hello, peoples, and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. My name is Jason Peters, and with me, as always, is the man who once robbed Six Flags Magic Mountain with a souvenir fountain pen and got away with it scot-free. That's right, Mr. Ryan Seabold. <laughs> What's up, Jason? How's it going, buddy? They, uh, they've Dude. only got five flags now, so... awesome dude yeah uh, yeah, i've actually seen the uh sixth flag it is fantastic but we're not here to discuss that we are here to discuss a little film called shutter island are we not sir that's damn right shutter island indeed (laughs) or are we we'll see there could be a twist even in this podcast what a twist (laughs) (laughs) what a twist why don't you go ahead and hit us up with that description, man? Google has this described as the implausible escape of a brilliant murderess brings U.S. Marshal Teddy Daniels, played by Leo DiCaprio, and his new partner, played by Mark Ruffalo, to Ashcliff Hospital, a fortress-like insane asylum located on a remote windswept island. The woman appears to have vanished from a locked room, and there are hints of terrible deeds committed within the hospital walls. As the investigation deepens, Teddy realizes he will have to confront his own dark fears if he hopes to make it off the island alive. From 2010, directed by Martin Scorsese, this was written by Dennis Lehane, who wrote Gone Baby Gone and Mystic River. This was also shot by Robert Richardson, the longtime DP of people like Quentin Tarantino. So uh, a lot of good uh, cinematography here. Stars all kinds Absolutely. of people. We're going to get into all of that. This was shot on a budget of $80 million and brought in a box office of $295 million. So people love this movie. But all that aside, Jason, I have to ask you, as, as always, buddy, what did you think about this movie? Ryan, I'm going to be happy to tell you. But first, do want to ask our audience, if you haven't yet, please like and subscribe to this video and our channel. Certainly appreciate you helping us out. Also, do want to invite you to go ahead. If there's any part of this review you agree or disagree with, please leave a section in the comments. We would love to hear from you and we will go ahead and get back to you as well. So, Ryan, uh, really surprisingly, I really liked this movie. Wow. I, I did not expect to necessarily really like this movie. I thought I would like find it decent. Okay. And... I enjoyed it way more than I expected to. Uh, It's not particularly intense, but I did find it interesting. I was along for the ride, even though I kind of knew where it it was going somewhat for most of it, right? And so even with an ending, like, kind of visible, you know, half a mile away or so, I still thought it worked. Now, I'm going to ask you what you thought about this movie, but I also want to know first, have you seen this movie before? I have, yeah, once when it first came out. Same. I saw it when it first came out, but... I had like zero recollection of anything about yeah, this me movie. <laughs> like it was it was pretty much just I remembered that he went to an island, which I probably wouldn't have remembered if it wasn't called Shutter Island, right? So like right. pretty much the back description of the film from the DVD is what I remembered of it. So it was almost like a new experience and I kind of expected, I think I mentioned this to you. I kind of expected that like as I was going through I'd kind of have these like, "Oh, I remember this moments." Not at all. 
(laughs) (laughs) I think the only thing, the only part was the one we mentioned where he's like holding his wife and she turns to ash from the trailer. That's literally the absolute only image I remembered from the entire movie. Yeah. So. And like people kept showing up throughout this film, oddly. Like I had no recollection of anyone. I I didn't look up a lot about this when I went to go see it. I just kind of like put it on and said, let's see how this fucking goes. So, you know, all of a sudden Patricia Clarkson's there, like Emily Mortimer's there, yeah. Jackie Earl Haley's showing up, Max von Sydow shows up. I'm like, wow, this movie is star packed. <laughs> and I don't know what I expected because it is a Marty Scorsese film. So, you know, he's going to bring the heat. He's not just going to roll out a bunch of no name people. People come out for a movie of his. But um, yeah, I just had no clue other than the uh, image that is burned into my brain of Leo DiCaprio holding Michelle Williams. Uh, and uh, and then her disappearing, and like that was it. It's funny that out of all this entire film, that's the one image that was that we both remember, <laughs> right? That's so weird. Yeah. And by the way, if anyone else watching, if that's all you remember about this movie, drop it in the comments. But yeah, the <laughs> pedigree good. of this film is like crazy, right? Like you've got obviously Scorsese, who's one of cinema's great directors. Yeah. You've got this rock star in in Robert Richardson, who, by the way. The fact that he's homies with Oliver Stone, Martin Scorsese, and Quentin Tarantino. Yes. In the business, that's what we call the cocaine trifecta. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. You cannot tell me this guy doesn't party. Yeah. <laughs> Those are his three guys, dude. That guy's had a bloody nose or two. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like you said, it also contains like all the actors in Hollywood's Rolodex. It's not dissimilar to like French Dispatch that we looked at recently, right? Where it's just like, oh, wow, this has like everybody in Hollywood at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed this. This is not obviously one of Scorsese's best films. Um, but Mm -hmm. it, it's one of his films. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I actually would rank this toward maybe probably like the top, at least the top half of his body of work. Right. Okay. I mean, is it reaching, is it reaching Taxi Driver or Raging Bull? Yeah. Like, no, of course not. Goodfellas? No, not a candle, right? Like, Departed? Maybe. And that one, Best Picture. But, like, All right. I, I have a well-documented dislike of The Departed, so. Yeah. 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 Dislike is a strong word, but it's like it's like so many other films, right? Where it's like, I thought it was decent, but then it goes on to win Best Picture, or it's like on all these top ten lists, and so then by comparison, it's like, you almost don't like it, even though you just think it's fine. You just think it's overrated. It's kind of, that's kind of my opinion of that. I feel like this is a film that was elevated by the craftsmen who made it. I feel like this was a, uh, probably uh, put in lesser hands um, across the board of cinematography, acting. Dude, everyone in this film is acting their asses off. Like, Leo DiCaprio is intense as fuck throughout this entire film. He is so honed in on what's going on and he's just like yelling and he's got his, you know, brows furrowed. I mean, this is, (laughs) this is, uh, he came to play with this one. I think uh, Scorsese gave him a shot and he's like, yeah, let's, let's do this. He brought his A game. Mark Ruffalo's great. Jackie Earl Haley is in a blink and you miss it cameo, but he brings the heat. I always love that guy whenever he shows up. Um, Yeah everybody's doing doing their job uh and even the so from the first scene the movie opens up and if i'm stealing your thunder i apologize if this is something you wanted to touch on but the very first scene the the first scene they're on the boat they get to the island then they get on a car and they roll into the insane asylum uh ashcliff and 
The okay. score, the music, um, <laughs> is so loud I'm and so overdramatic, glad you that up, and like dude. nothing is happening. They're just driving. <laughs> so immediately, I, I'm thinking, yeah. who scored this thing? And the answer is nobody. <laughs> um, they just took all this old music that was canned from like the 1940s from other films, and Scorsese called on his old friend Robbie Robertson from the band. Um, yeah. to compile and be a music supervisor, if you will, and uh, put together the soundtrack. Um, and it it works. Um, I would say some tracks work better than others, uh, namely the track that plays uh, whenever he's visiting his wife. It's kind of more of a sentimental piece, and uh, that really worked for me. But man, that drive into Ashcliffe was so fucking dramatic. And it just kept getting louder and louder. I had my uh, speakers turned really way up. I had to go turn it down. I'm like, that's a bit much, bro. <laughs> yeah. No, it's super funny that you brought that up because to me, it actually, I, I once I found out that, that it was a soundtrack instead of an actual score, I went back and I wondered if that opening song that or the opening song yeah that you're talking about was the one that they used toward the beginning of Bram Stoker's Dracula right before they bring in the title <laughs> it was so operatic and heavy-handed and to your point it's like they're just driving into the island like right. and then it reminded me so like I've I've seen a lot I've seen a good number of Scorsese's work I've seen most of his, his seminal pieces one of his films that I have not seen is Cape Fear. Okay. But I understand that the score in that film is not dissimilar where it's like, right. Just, he'll be like walking down the street and it's like, burr, 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 like <laughs> super it. dramatic yes. tones. And like, so I think that's kind of just maybe Scorsese's thing at times. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe it was, this is like, uh, in, this right? is feeling this a little, a uh, little limp. Can we uh, boost this up with some music? <laughs> <laughs> Robertson's like, yeah, we'll just turn it up really loud. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, what is what is your personal opinion of Martin Scorsese and his general body of work? Just, just oh, as dude, a whole. he's one of the best. Yeah, I love Scorsese. It's always a good time. Yeah, yeah. there are a few a, do pieces you have a film? I have not seen yet. Um, I have not seen The Irishman uh, for a litany of reasons. Uh, namely, I just don't have like four hours to watch you know, something that was heralded as kind of a, you know, so-so effort by him. Uh, he did that. What was Ryan that? doesn't want to watch a long movie. Know, you don't say anyone that's uh, <laughs> anyone that's binging these episodes is going to get a theme real quick. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, what was that? Um, what was that ambulance driver movie he did with uh, Nick? King? Yeah. Bringing out the dead. I didn't, you know, it's been a long time since I seen that one. I remember really wanting to like it, but like not so much, Okay, but I, I, I could be due for a rewatch. I have not seen it. But that's kind of where okay. I would put this, I think. This came out, I think, right before, if I'm not mistaken, like The Aviator and Wolf of Wall Street, where he started to take an yeah, upturn so. and give us some more of those Scorsese bangers that we were used to with movies like Goodfellas and um, uh, Casino and you know Raging Bull and stuff like that. I think he made more of a return to form, but I think he did a little bit of a dip. Uh, around this point in his career, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, films like this. Um, not that this is a bad film. You know, it, it's hard when you talk about uh, people like Scorsese because a bad Scorsese film is still going to be better than 90% of the other films you're going to have to watch, right? So yeah. it's still a good movie. Um, so are you comparing it to cinema as a whole? Are you grading it on that level? Or do you hold it against his own record? In which case that's a whole nother bar altogether because he's one of the best that ever did it. Right. Sure. 
Well, I think I like this film better than you. And one of the things I'll say is that I think there's a number of aspects that do elevate this film like you're talking about just from the sure handed direction. Right. But also you've got this really wonderful cinematography throughout the entire thing. Sure. It's got like a gritty but also bright look. It doesn't like hide a bunch of stuff in the shadows, though it does play to shadows when it makes sense. Yes. Because it's sort of almost like a neo-noir film. Right? It's a gothic Shot noir. Shot by Robert yes. Richardson, as you said, who's just this like super stud that's worked with all these prolific directors. And you so what but there's another aspect of this film that actually was kind of jarring at first. I wasn't entirely sure if it was actually poor editing or not. Uh, And then as I sort of like realized what it was doing, I already know where you're going with this. I noticed this, too. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah. So so his longtime uh, editor, Thelma Schoonmaker. Yes. Edited this film as much uh, just as she has all of his previous films. And. Especially at the beginning, like the boat sequence that you're talking about. There's so many awkward angles and awkward cuts. Yes. And it's not, it's something that's almost difficult to like necessarily put your finger on. But like as you're watching it, you're like, there's just something like films aren't typically cut together this way. And then you'll, you'll notice these little blink and you miss it moments where you're like, wait a minute, did I just see that? And yeah. so did you, uh, did you happen to catch the moment? There's a, there's actually a really wonderful, performance from a woman she it's when he's uh, he being teddy uh, is uh, interrogating the inmates and he interrogates this woman who seems seemingly normal at first yes until she realized that she like axed her husband basically because he, he was a monster and so there's a moment that like totally caught me off guard where she like asks for a cup of water and then it's like poured and given to her and then she takes a sip but like they show you in the bottom of the frame that there's no actual cup there. There's no cup. And in she's her like hand. taking, yeah. She's like, she's like, she's like pantomiming drinking from a cup. And I was like, I, I, I even like because we're watching it at home. I was like, wait, did I just see that? Was that like a mistake or something? And so right. I went back and I watched it. Sure enough, it's there. And then you realize that like Scorsese has been making films for longer than we've been talking about them, which is dumb because we've been talking about films our entire life. He does not make mistakes, right? Thelma Schoonmaker does not not make mistakes. So a lot of this stuff that seems like it could have been a little bit, again, of a of a misstep, once I realized what they were doing and that it, it was in service of the actual story and the theme and the resolution towards the end. And, and, and it does sort of, I guess if there's a downside, it's that it does kind of diminish maybe some of the tension because those are indicative of, you know, the fact that this guy is just kind of off his rocker by the end of it, right? But like... All of those looking back, it's like, wow, that's really well executed. That's a great way to tell the audience without telling the audience, right? I appreciated it. Yeah. I mean, apparently water was a trigger for him because of the drowning of his kids and stuff like that. Spoiler alert. Right. Uh, So that's why water on the ship bothered him in the very first opening scene. Uh, But then throughout, they didn't want to reintroduce that as a trigger. So apparently, you know, that was very intentional that... They didn't pour her a glass of water, actually. And she was drinking because when she puts the cup back down, it's empty. Um, and, and when she brings the hand up to her mouth, like to, to your point, she, there's no cup there. So it was yeah. all in this elaborate cosplay of uh, leading him along into his weird, way, way overwrought therapy uh, sesh that uh, <laughs> was, you know, custom tailored. Um, so, Yeah. I guess that was, but then there was also, even when he first gets to Ashcliffe and they're filling him in, in the room and, and giving him the whole rundown 
uh, about this missing woman. There's all these, to your point, really weird jump cuts, um, like what you'd see in this very podcast, uh, where, you know, uh, almost like a Max Headroom thing, where it's like, he doesn't, it's not jump cut, like where he's across the room. It's like jump cut, just like missing a few frames. It's just enough to let you know yeah. something's not right here. Um, you know, this is a movie I think that really warrants a rewatch. I think I would appreciate a lot of these things, um, you know, given, given it a second pass if I ever get back to this film. Yeah, definitely. Now, I did want to discuss the acting with you because to be completely honest, so I, I love DiCaprio's performance. Like, he sold the hell out of it. He really went for it. I appreciated his character. It's that gritty, neo-noir, tough guy, right? But with uh, a more of a sense of, of yeah. emo emotional quality, I guess, than maybe some of the other guys in the past. But as far as some of the other guys, I don't really feel like they necessarily stood out. Um, I don't know if it's because they're a little bit more character actors and I didn't really get a strong sense of that. The exceptions would be Jackie Earl Haley, who just absolutely crushed the yeah. handful of moments that he got on. That scene. girl, that guy no always comes to play. There. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And then Emily Mortimer was great. She was a little over the top, but her character bit. was supposed to be right. Yeah. But everybody else seemed to like just do fine. Right. Like Max von Sydow has can have the most gravitas of any actor on screen, right? And, like, I didn't really get that foreboding sense of him being, like, the guy who's, like, manipulating stuff behind the scenes like he was really supposed to be. Sure. Mark Ruffalo just kind of is Mark Ruffalo. He's kind of has that same vibe all the time. So it was fine, but it wasn't, like, great. Ben Kingsley was, was again, like, good as an intense guy, but it was a very measured performance, which there's a certain amount of appreciation I can have for that. But, like, we've seen Ben Kingsley do me do measured, like, so many times over. So Michelle Williams was fine. Patricia Clarkson was fine. And then I, I don't know if Ted Levine just doesn't have a lot of range. He's the guy who I'm sure you recognized as Buffalo Bill from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Right, yeah. He plays the, yeah, he played the warden yeah. in this film. Yeah, and, he, and again, anytime I have seen him outside of Silence of the Lambs, he always just kind of has that same kind of vibe. So it's like, uh, oh, the other one, too. Did you notice? The, did you see the uh, Elias Codius signing uh, signing from uh, who, if you don't know, played Casey Jones from the yes. Ninja Turtles movie? Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Casey Jones in this yeah. movie. I just know him affectionately yeah. as Casey Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so and again like nobody's bad at all like nobody delivers a bad performance like they're all fine but it's like it's like everybody came and like made par and it just so happens that like their par is quite good but it's also like we've seen all of them do better and be stronger and i will say it does seem like like i feel like there may have been some production limitations because I think that they like shot the hell out of this movie. I feel I get the sense that like even down to certain times, I feel like they maybe sent some like they had a lot of B teams doing some of the uh, the shooting or something because there was some intentional incongruencies. But then there was also just some, I think, filmmaking mistakes. And I think they were like able to be like, oh, yeah, no, that wasn't a mistake. That was intentional. But it's like, no, I'm pretty sure like you want your actor to be matching on the reverse shots action, right? Like, which sure. didn't always happen. So um, I, I do feel like it's kind of lazy to just, you know, chalk that up each time to being like, oh, yeah, it was intentional because it wasn't. But yeah. And so it was also pretty interesting just because of the standpoint that like as a sort of mystery, like I did, again, sort of get halfway through. But even once I understood where the film was going, 
again, I was I was never really bored. Like it was slower paced, but it wasn't boring. Again, we're 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 you know watching a movie unfold in the hands of this master director who knows exactly what he's doing. Maybe some of the suspenseful moments didn't work, but there were also some really strong sequences. I did like the scene with his wife that ultimately ends with you know her turning into ash and some. You will I will say some of the limitations perhaps of the movie can be ascribed to the fact that like it it was towards the beginning of some of these advanced CGI techniques. Right. So even though like, you know, I'm pretty sure the sea was probably CGI did and towards the beginning, you know, where they have like the ash falling in the room is cool, but then they don't add like the couple practical ashes on there or they don't have them like actually add. So like they're walking through ash the entire time, but then they never get any ash on their body anywhere whatsoever. So, you know, but we're able to look past some of those things, but I can't say that any of those things necessarily bothered me enough to where I, I disliked the film. I was with it the whole time, which for a close to two and a half hour film is is pretty impressive, you know? So I think my problem with this film, if I have one, is in the premise itself, in that okay. it's all of this, It's just, it, the whole thing is this elaborate, uh, you know, like I said, cosplay of, you know, a method of, of uh, therapy that they're trying to see if they could uh, bring about Leo back to being who he really is. And so, um, you know, they create this fake case. They give him fake clothes. They tell him he's a U.S. Marshal to investigate this thing. And then they kind of drip all these little clues along the way in hopes that I'm assuming trigger something inside of him to, uh, you know, kind of jog his memory and bring him back to who he was. But... Sure. Uh, like, what's the end game? Is he supposed to come to terms with the fact that he murdered his wife? Is that supposed to, like, fix him or make him suitable? Because all you're trying to do is, like, bring him back around to being that person that murdered his wife or, or killed his wife or whatever. Um, that's not yeah. necessarily a good thing. And then also, what's the end game as far as, okay, let's say this works and you're able to mm-hmm. rehabilitate DiCaprio's character um, who goes by a few different names throughout. Are you then supposed to, uh, you know, reapply that methodology of, of therapy uh, to everybody that, you know, all these crazed killers or, you know, complete psychos that are on this, um, you know, militarized, uh, you know, the psych ward uh, on this Island, are you going to create their own little cosplay? And then like, it just repeats itself to where we're doing like these little episodic Truman shows for everybody. Um, it just seems unsustainable. Like, I don't really see what the three, so, you know, you'll have, you, you've got me along for the ride and I'm good to go like down that road with you. But like, you know, it, it kind of had a, a shitty Shyamalan twist that when you go back and look at it, it just falls apart to me. Like I can't go back and see that's as a substantiated conclusion where I feel some resolve. It's like, okay, this or whatever. It's like, no, like, what were you? I don't understand what you were trying to do. This is unsustainable. Well, yeah, so I can go I can go ahead and answer that. And okay. that's exactly what they were trying to do is they were trying to create this new uh, model of, yeah, trauma resolution and basically trying to rehabilitate people because if they could get him to accept the truth of the matter, then they could work on, on getting him better, right? But it's sort of like that, you know, uh, sort of like the first step, right, is you have to admit you have a problem. And so like, okay. if you can't come to terms with what you did, then we can't 
work on getting you to a point where you can live with what you did, which is ultimately what they're trying to do. Sure. Now, this is and, and this is actually one of the things that I I respected about the film is I thought it was a very sort of profound last line. And he asks that very question. And, and I I really loved considering this. And I thought it was pretty powerful because the moment that he, re, he he remembers who he is towards the end of the film, they literally say, like, you've you've done this before. You've had this memory before and it didn't take. Right. You just went back into your little loop, which, by the way, has been explored in films like Memento. And everybody, including you, assumes figures that's a great film. Right. So, like, we've seen that work before this whole sort of non resolution where really the resolution is that this person is lying to themselves in order to give themselves a reason to live. Right. Like, again, we've that's that's Memento. That's exactly Memento. So and what I thought was most profound about this film is because DiCaprio asks that question as he's being marched to death, which is really what happens at the end of the film. He's being led to his death because this experimental procedure did not take. And that's why the doctor is so sad. And that's why he gives the nod to the warden. And basically they're going to have their funding pulled because like everything hitched on this like last ditch effort to get this to work. But ultimately to your point, it was a failed prospect. Right. You know, maybe they should have had you around to say, Hey guys, this isn't going to work. Let me save you hundreds of millions of dollars and a bunch of shit. Right. Like, but they didn't have you there. So they went around and they, and they tried it and it didn't work. And so the last line that DiCaprio goes out on is he says, after he once again triggers this loop of going into this fantasy is he turns to Mark Ruffalo, who uh, a spoiler alert is actually his psychologist, right? Uh, the therapist, right. That he's envisioned as his partner. And he says, do you think it's better to live a monster or die a good man? Right. And I thought that was very profound. And that's exactly what he did because as he's marching to his death by engaging in this fantasy that he's created for himself, he gets to feel good about himself as he dies and moves on into the next plane of existence, whatever See, that looks like for you. Right Now, it's my take on that real quick that he actually is cognizant and he's faking it to get the lobotomy so that he can uh, because that's why he kind of says that to Ruffalo to me in my mind. That's my that's my spin on it is that he realizes what's going on, but it's kind of a wink and a nod to Ruffalo saying that I would rather. Uh, go out a good man, then continue to live this monstrous life and, and all of that. So I'm going to go get lobotomized to clear, clear all this up and uh, go out peaceful. Um, so yeah. I do think that, you know, th that when he woke up in the lighthouse, mentally woke up, I think he stayed that way, but realized that that living that life and going down that path was going to be hell for him to face those demons was too hard. He would rather yeah. be lobotomized and just get a full reboot uh, and wipe clean and um, and die and what in what he envisions being a good man versus to carry yeah. the weight of the death of his family um, for the rest of his life. Uh, I don't think I, that was too much for him uh, to, to to bear to quote Val Kilmer from yeah. Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, you know, and, and the thing is, like, those are regardless of whether you think he's necessarily conscious of what he's done or not. Like, we're both in agreement that he makes a conscious decision to go there. Right. It's just a matter of how much he may or may be aware of Because he gets in line, like, with, uh, moment, with right? the orderlies. They're holding, obviously, they show us a close-up. They're holding the lobotomizing tools. Uh, Van, Sid Von Sidow's right there and all of that. So he just goes willingly yeah. with the warden and stuff. He's like, let's go get this over with. Um, like, you know, going to get your wisdom teeth pulled or something. Like, he, he, I think he consciously knows 
what he's going off to do. It's just less painful sure. yeah. uh, for him to, uh, to wipe the slate clean. But yeah, to, yeah, if, fact, if it worked, be. I just don't see that being sustainable, a sustainable form of therapy. Now, could they have modified it or scaled well, it, it wasn't. down That's or the whatever, point. you know, it, it wasn't, it failed. Right. right. But I'm saying kind of if it had worked, let's say, you know, let's say it, it worked <laughs> and he was like, Hey, I'm, I, I'm better guys. Everything's good. Um, you know, ready to face my demons. Um, then they're like, cool, let's get Charles Manson in here. Let's get all these people in here. We'll put them in a trench coat and tell them they're fucking Dick Tracy and you can go solve their own mm. little cases. I just think that that's, that's craziness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's look at the pantheon of like, of, uh, you know, in, in, in cinema history, like what, crazy mad scientist doctors have done to try to like treat patients, right? Like we've looked at a cure for wellness. wellness. That was way more out there than this solution. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) This one didn't involve eels down in the esophagus. Okay. Yeah. I would much rather do this than that one. Cure for wellness (laughs) came to my mind a lot throughout this film because I thought that, that um, spiritually I thought that it had a lot of uh, similar things in common, just uh, trying to fix people through extreme measures. Again, the Gothic noir tone, uh, with all the yeah. haunting score and stuff, the, the 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 way that Cure for Wellness kept you on edge, not really knowing, um, you know, what was really going on. Now, obviously, I would argue this is a much better film uh, than Cure for Wellness. Sure. But, yeah. Um, you know, I just thought, and then you know, with the, with the twist of uh, DiCaprio being, you know, who he was, and and looking for, you know, all these clues that were kind of laid out for him, I thought that there was a lot of ham-fisted uh, behaviors uh, throughout the, the way, uh, just in the sense that, you know, they're like, uh, it's coming, you know, there's a twist coming, a lot of like little ribs and nudges, like, no, I get it, there's a twist coming, no, I know. Um, with uh, Jackie Earl Haley's character and just all the things and the Patricia Clarkson's character in the cave and stuff, um, you know, they really lay it down heavy that... Things are not what they seem to be so that by the end of the film, yeah. uh, when they finally do reveal, it's like, OK, uh, you know, I get it. <laughs> I wish it wasn't yeah, quite I mean, it, so ham fisted, I guess. I don't know. I guess it sounds like it, like there was maybe like a couple scenes too many or something like that, perhaps. Like I've actually heard that criticism before. With yeah. Like certain like action films or something, you know, it's like, oh, it's just there's like one or two scenes too much. Right. Like I was. By the, by the time it finished, I was already tapped out 15 minutes earlier. Right. You know, maybe some of the trim, the fat was trimmed or something like that. Maybe some of those moments would have worked better. Again, for me, they worked. I dug them. Like, they don't make the film. It's not like a super memorable scene, but I thought it all added up and it made sense. And it did. It was good. Yeah. One thing. Uh, so it's funny that you it made you think of that film. For me, it actually reminded me a lot of Jacob's Ladder. I actually sure. felt like this was like sort of the good version of Jacob's Ladder, which had, tells a very similar story. Right. I was waiting for um, this to be a Jacob's Ladder scenario. That was that's funny you bring that up because that was another thing. It's like, <laughs> did he die at that river? Like, is this all leading yeah. up to? Because I totally forgot the twist. Um, to, like what we were saying yeah. earlier. Like I remembered him holding Michelle Williams, and that was it. So I forgot yeah. what actually how this resolved. I had no recollection, even to the very end when, you know, they revealed. I was like, oh, OK. But then I also kind of felt like, <laughs> you know, that family guy sketch where he's sitting in Citizen Kane and then he goes, it's a sled. I just saved you guys yeah. two boring hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, fair. So I'll tell you what, Ryan, let's go ahead and wrap up this review with our segment that we like to call three adjectives. First, though, going to ask our audience, please like and subscribe if you haven't. And also, if you agree or disagree with any aspect of this review, 
go ahead and drop it in the comments section below. We'd love to hear from you. Also going to throw out one other thing. If you can think of any other like crazy doctors that have done like really dramatic and uh, horrific experiments in the name of therapy and helping humanity and such like that, like that's uh, we know that trope. Uh, go ahead and call that film out as well. We would love to hear that. So three adjectives, Ryan. Let me go ahead and hear what you got for us. All right. I'm going to uh, keep this really brief. Um, I'm going to do this a reverse compliment sandwich. This is kind of an insult sandwich. <laughs> um, we're going to go bad Twilight Zone uh, because it just kind of felt like um, like it was close to being that, you know, in that. But it's still, you know, uh, it's still Twilight Zone. On that same thing, I'm going to flip it around and say, good Shyamalan. Because it's, you know, I, I don't... Because you like backhanded compliments. Like right, that. yeah. <laughs> this is... Because uh, a bad Shyamalan movie is really bad. But a good Shyamalan movie is really good. Now, a good Shyamalan movie is nowhere near a good Scorsese movie. So I'm going to flip it around and say bad Scorsese. So we got uh... bad Twilight Zone, good Shyamalan, bad Scorsese. But with all of that said... <laughs> A bad Scorsese film is still better, like I said earlier, than 90% of the other stuff uh, out there. Um, and a bad Twilight Zone is still a lot of fun. Uh, I don't dislike this movie. I just don't think it's one of his best. Um, and I, I think that uh, we've seen better films on this show. How about you, buddy? Yeah, you're a tough critic, man. You're a tough critic. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let Marty know what you said when I go to dinner. His house well, you know, it's like his mom's gonna be crushed. Think of your, think of your favorite restaurant that you love to go to. It's like the worst thing on okay. their menu. It's like it's still great. I had a great time. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, gotcha. I'm not. I don't regret going out. I don't regret dressing up nice. It's just, you know, it's not that. <laughs> wonderful juicy eight ounce filet mignon at my favorite steakhouse it was like i went with the pork chop and i thought you know i took a risk i went off menu a little bit and uh i still had a great time still had some nice wine everything's good the service was fantastic i just really i should have went with the eight ounce filet how about you <laughs> yeah no that's totally fair man i got that for my three adjectives they're going to be a little more complimentary than you I've got engaging. It was, I stayed with it the entire time. Consistent, you know, for a lot of times when you're watching films, you know, I feel like it goes in fits and uh, fits and spurts or something like that, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm super into this. And then like, there's a scene that's maybe a little bit less engaging or it gets away from something that you kind of like. And you're like, eh, I'm not kind of into this part. And so, but then, you know, it picks back up and like, you're totally in it again. Yeah. Right. Like, so this film, I was, I was literally just as engaged from the beginning at the end. At no point was I like, wow, this is the best film ever. But at no point was I like, all right, guys, let's wrap this no, up. No, you're right about so that. I would agree I with 120 percent of it. Yes. Yeah. And then technically exceptional. Just every aspect of this from the sound design to the editing to the camera work to the direction, even down to the screenplay. You know, it's actually I thought it was a really strong screenplay. And I thought probably the book that it was modeled after and adapted from is probably pretty strong as well. I know Dennis Lane's a great writer, great reputation. So Technically exceptional, consistent, and engaging. I'm going to go ahead and out of five stars, give this one four and a quarter. So wow. four and a quarter out of five stars for Shutter Island. Like I said, I did enjoy this movie. I respected and appreciated it. How about you, Ryan? What you got? I'm giving this one three and a half stars. It just, okay. it was good. Fair. Uh, it wasn't yeah. great. It was not bad. This was a really good movie. Um, and I'll yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> All right, man. Excellent. So do want to tell our audience, go ahead and visit our website for more exclusive content for Esoterica Cinema. This is Jason Peters. He's Ryan Siebold. Enjoy the movies.